It's 11 minutes before the hour. You're listening to Raven Radio, KCAW Sitka. Today is Monday, August 17, 2020. I'm Erin Fulton with Raven News. A sexual harassment lawsuit brought by a former police officer against the city of Sitka has settled out of court for over half a million dollars. In October 2018, Mary Ferguson filed suit against the city, alleging she had been sexually harassed and discriminated against in the workplace. At the time, she was the only sworn female officer at the Sitka Police Department. A press release from her attorney, James Davis, at the Northern Justice Project, outlined the settlement details, just over $500,000. Ferguson has been outspoken about the police department and has called for the Sitka Assembly to conduct its own outside investigation, which never came to fruition. The terms of the settlement dictate that now Ferguson, herself, can conduct an independent investigation of the SPD. Retired Alaska Superior Court Judge Eric Smith has agreed to spearhead the investigation, according to the press release. KCAW has spoken with Ferguson, and an interview is forthcoming. Two more Sitkins have tested positive for the coronavirus. The Sitka Unified Command announced Friday that two female residents received positive test results on Thursday. One woman is in her 60s and had symptoms at the time of testing Thursday. The other woman is in her 40s and did not have symptoms when she was tested on August 8th. Sitka's cumulative case count now sits at 45 cases. That's 32 residents and 13 non-residents. Six cases are active and there's been one total hospitalization, according to city data. The state is still reporting fewer recoveries in Sitka, but it's also reporting fewer cumulative cases. KCAW has reached out to the public health nurse, Denise Ewing, who says the city's data is the most up-to-date. At last count, the state reported over 5,000 cumulative cases of the coronavirus. Around 70% of those are considered active. That includes just over 4,200 resident cases and just over 800 non-resident cases. 28 people have died and 178 people have been hospitalized because of COVID-19. Alaskans unemployed due to COVID-19 would receive $300 more weekly than normal under a plan announced by Governor Mike Dunleavy on Thursday, but that amount is $300 less than they had been receiving. Dunleavy's announcement followed President Donald Trump's executive order to provide additional benefits. Dunleavy authorized the Alaska Department of Labor and Workforce Development to apply with the Federal Emergency Management Agency to pay out the additional benefits. State Division of Employment and Training Services Director Patsy Westcott oversees unemployment insurance for the state. The division has started applying for a FEMA grant for the benefits. It is not clear at this time to Alaska or to any state, um, for that matter, as to when FEMA will be making the awards. The Trump administration has provided enough funding to cover only roughly five weeks. Westcott said the state is doing what it can. The administration is committed to pursuing all avenues that are potentially available in order to bring relief to uh, unemployed workers in Alaska who, who need this partial benefit replacement so that they can put food on the table and make their electric bill. Westcott encouraged unemployed Alaskans to reach out to the state's job centers for help finding work. The U.S. House, Senate, and the Trump administration haven't reached an agreement on extending pandemic relief. The additional benefit from March to July was $600 per week. Roughly 88,000 Alaskans have received additional unemployment insurance since March. The number is currently roughly 55,000. One of Alaska's most prolific writers and its preeminent naturalist, Richard Nelson, never published anything about himself. 
but he was always willing to share stories about his extraordinary journey in Alaska, around a campfire, or in his extensive letters and journals. Author Hank Lenfer worked with Nelson for the last 10 years of his life, recording sounds for Nelson's popular radio program Encounters and for an audio archive maintained by the National Park Service. And when Lenfer didn't have his microphone trimmed on wildlife, he pointed it at Nelson. Lenfer has compiled his collection of audio recordings and Nelson's own unpublished writing into a new biography, Raven's Witness, The Alaska Life of Richard K. Nelson. KCAW's Robert Woolsey caught up with Lenfer at his home in Gustavus. I am one of those people who thought Richard Nelson could bend time. Listening to someone talk about a deer for a half hour sounds like a recipe for a nap, but Nels, as he was known around Sitka, could suspend our awareness that time was passing at all. Just ahead of me, about 40 yards right now, is a Sitka black-tailed deer. It's on the beach along the outer coast of Alaska on a midwinter morning. He did over 100 episodes of his public radio program, Encounters, about deer, beaver, whales, glaciers, you name it. The natural world was his palate. For someone with such broad interests, Nelson started out on a narrow track, herpetology, the study of reptiles. But he ended up accepting a job studying sea ice survival for the Air Force in far northern Alaska. So going to the Arctic was a pretty serious left turn for a budding herpetologist, but his sense of adventure didn't allow him to say no. And what he found when he got to Wainwright is every person in that village was an astute naturalist. And living in Madison, Wisconsin, his obsession with the natural world was a bit freakish. And in Wainwright, he uh, he found community um, and he was no longer a freak. Uh, everybody there was a naturalist. That was in 1964. Nelson was 22 years old. Lentfer says that Nelson honed his gift for listening among the Inupiaq and developed his craft of writing about what he learned. Nelson died in the fall of 2019, leaving behind boxes and boxes of journals, over 18,000 pages of notes in Lentfer's care, along with his blessing that Lentfer write his biography. The biggest problem really was what to leave out. I started a file early on labeled Must Use Stories, and that was like a 30,000-word document. And I ended up using about 40% of those stories that had to be in the book. And then I did a, a, a big revision after the first draft and probably lost another 20%. So it's, it just took a lot of time and, and a lot of dead ends to figure out what the actual story was. And it's not just the written word. During his year living among the Inupiaq and Wainwright, Nelson sent home audio letters re-recorded on reel-to-reel tapes that his father had sent him every Sunday after recording the Green Bay Packers game off the TV. Public broadcasting had not even been created yet, and Nelson was sharing stories that would have all the flavor of encounters. This is an excerpt of a letter Nelson sent home from Wainwright where he's cooking up some soup for his dog team. And uh, tonight was probably the the most uh, exotic dog soup I've made yet which uh, it contained, uh, well, friskies and cornmeal, and seal guts, a seal head, seal blood, some caribou meat, and the oil from that comes out of rotten 
walrus blubber when it thaws. <laughs> the Wainwright experience led Nelson to write two major ethnographies, Hunters of the Northern Ice and Shadow of the Hunter, the latter a fictional work that pushed the boundaries of the discipline. In subsequent years, Nelson would shift his attention to the Koyukon peoples of interior Alaska with Hunters of the Northern Forests and his classic Make Prayers to the Raven. Nelson wrote his final two books in Sitka, The Island Within and Heart and Blood, this last book likely the most compassionate study of deer ever written by a person who essentially lived by hunting them. And then he put down his keyboard and picked up a microphone to work on Encounters, which he produced at KCAW. Hank Lentfer, an author in his own right, was Nelson's student in audio. He credits Nelson with initiating his audio awakening. For me, listening keenly is a reminder of the world in which we are always embedded. And, um, and it's so powerful to get out of the human echo chamber, which is what Nels did so well through his writing, in, writing and his radio work. There are few wild animals anywhere that have the deer's mix of artfully contained physical power. As I look at the musculature in this deer's shoulders and haunches, combined with explosive speed and almost preternatural grace and elegance. Raven's Witness, The Alaska Life of Richard K. Nelson is published by Mountaineers Books and available in bookstores everywhere. Reporting in Sitka, I'm Robert Woolsey. Taking a look at the community calendar. Sitka Legacy Foundation is accepting grant applications for projects that benefit the community through Friday, September 25th. Eligible applicants include 501c3 nonprofits, tribal entities, local government, and faith-based organizations. Priority is given to organizations and projects that benefit children and families. Eligible child care providers are encouraged to apply. Grants will range from $1,000 to $3,000. For more information and to apply, visit sitkalegacy.org. Those with questions can email rsherman at alaskacf.org. Search offers a free start-stepping walking challenge to those of all ages and abilities August 3rd through 31st. Weekly prizes of local $50 gift cards and a chance to win a Fitbit are offered. To register and log steps, go to search.org slash startstepping. For more information, call 966-8914 or email helenav at search.org. Alzheimer's Resource of Alaska offers a webinar on physical and emotional safety for older adults, particularly those with dementia, at 1 p.m. today. Visit alzalaska.org for more information. And Yoga Union offers vinyasa yoga at 7 p.m. Mondays via Zoom. The class includes vinyasa and ends with relaxing yin poses. Beginners are welcome. For more information, email sitkaakyoga at gmail.com. I'm Erin Fulton, and this has been Raven News.